okay <laughs> good day everyone and um welcome to the first episode of the podcast um this is somewhat of an experimental episode because well obviously it's the first episode and well afterwards you guys could like tell me I'll, I'll leave my socials after the podcast and you can tell me like what suggestions you have to um improve it so don't be too hard on me since it's my first time doing this um so i didn't really have like a lot of things to talk about but like for the past few months um i've been going through um the college admissions right for like applying for universities and colleges in the u.s and i just want to say like it's been the most stressful <laughs> stressful part of my life like and first just to clarify right um i've decided to apply for next year instead so just to clarify right um yeah but when applying right um the f- one thing they will ask you for your transcript your high school transcripts when i was in high school well secondary school i didn't really take school on that much right because well i'm a young boy and well i was just i just cared more for like playing football or playing sports or i don't know talking with my friends or whatever i cared more for that i, I wasn't really that much into school like i wasn't dumb at all i was really good in english and biology um subjects like that and but like it was never pushed to us to keep achieve to keep pushing yourself like they well yeah obviously teachers said you had to get good grades whatever but they never clarified to us oh universities will be looking at your transcripts or universities need your transcripts it's an important thing and they want to see how much a's you get how much b's you get if you feel anything like that and like how you how you're going over conti- continuous assessment and that was never really mentioned to us so a lot of us used to just slack around and stuff and used to think oh well who cares we'll just finish this one exam at the end of fifth form or i think fifth form is like what 10th grade 11th grade we'll just finish that and then we'll just get into a good college or whatever when no, those transcripts are important. And my mom, right, she teaches in a school that I don't want to say is worse than my high school, but I would like to think that that the children there are just like, they're not into academics as much because of the environment they live in. So like you see how in the US how they have that kind of hood like where well, their schools are just like a lot of hood mentality kind of thing and children are kinda yeah, they're kinda like that. But these children are actually really smart in their own way. And I'm not just saying that to be nice. They say like compared to the children that I went to school with in my high school, they they're actually intelligent. And they like since because they they won't they haven't grown and won't nurtured in an environment where 
um education was kind of like the main the main thing that you had to like do well in they never they don't really take on high school that much so a lot of them were like oh i want to go to to um this university or that university and they do they don't do anything during class so, and that's where like my my country well trinidad we feel we feel um we like fall backward like the us um look at the sat thing right the sat exam there was not one time when i was in in high school where anyone mentioned to me that i was supposed to do the sat exam kids in the us do sats at like 15 16 or whatever right no one told me that i could have done the sat exam at that age no one mentioned anything we never practiced we were never put into a situation where it was like a, a test taking environment to like so they like they timed us and we did multi, a bunch of multiple choice things and we never did that it was we had to go by ourselves and um find um let um teachers or like um teachers outside of the school and we had to go um practice our SATs on our own or use college board or whatever so we're at a disadvantage like before you take the SAT exam you're already at a disadvantage my brother right he's 14 turning 15 every day he's like anxious he's going into form 4 soon right and no one has like told him that he has to take the SAT exam. No one's helped him, nothing, right? The only time he's realized that he needs to take the SAT exam is he's seen me do it. He's seen me take it. And he's like, oh shit, I need to do well in that exam. Because I took the exam. Wait, let me let me focus on my brother. Yeah, so he wants to do the SAT exam, right? Because he wants to go to a good school. But if I ask him, Jake, um, how many boys are going to do the SAT exam? He'll tell me like one or zero or two. Because no one is no one is here telling us that this is what we have to do. It's, just, it's, it's weird. It's like that. And I'm sure there are a lot, a lot of countries are like that where... Um, a lot they, that, that we don't get um, taught similar stuff as they do in the US or whatever, right? The same thing for the AP exam. I had no idea what an AP exam was before like last year. I've never taken an AP exam or anything, right? I think the only place you can take AP tests in Trinidad is... ISPS or something, International School of Port of Spain. I'm not sure, so don't hold this against me. Um, because their school that takes in a lot of American students, they teach um subjects the American way, blah blah blah. They prepare their students. They're the only school that actually prepares their students for the SAT exam. That's why a lot of that's why that school is extremely expensive to go to. This they have a bunch of rich Indians, rich white people, all of them get to go to that school and they immediately um, prepare for that exam, right? 
I mean, ISPS does um, take in students like outside of their school to come practice for the AP exam. But like, what about students who live 10 miles away or 10 kilometers away? I don't know. Who, who don't who don't have transport or whatever to go and do go and get practice or whatever why can't why can't there be like actual facilities or why can't they just be in the schools themselves where they actually go and help students practice those exams why is that you're just putting our own youth at a disadvantage especially ones who are less fortunate I took the SAT exam once so far. I'm gonna redo it obviously like in August or something. And the first time I took it, I had to study by myself. And it was for like I, I it was in March. March 13th was my exam, right? So that was just recently. And I only had like two months or a month and a half to study and i didn't study properly at all i just had the computer there and i was just trying to, to 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 put myself in a test mode or whatever trying to time myself or whatever but it wasn't like the full it wasn't the full it wasn't the the, the correct way for me to study because i need someone to come and guide me or whatever but i didn't have that or they will like some if you want to get help you would have to go and find somebody's friend of another friend of another friend and they will have some SAT teacher who will have their SAT course or whatever and you have to ask them and it's not guaranteed you have to pay them like $300 $400 an hour and it's not guaranteed that you will get a good mark so it just doesn't really make any sense so again why can't they just do it in these schools? It's <laughs> and then I saw this thing with um the college admission scandal on Netflix. It's I think it got released this year, but that college thing was like from a while ago, right? With like Stanford, Yale, all those big those top universities and they're getting they're like um they're counselors. That get students that um that like do the test for students and stuff because they pay a lot of money and to me it just like everything is against less fortunate children like less fortunate kids like it's basically like this they're in a hamster wheel and <laughs> they just continue running and running and running they're trying to work hard work hard work hard but at the end of the day, they'll always be in the same position because there's always an outside force that's just stopping them. And I'm seeing this, right? But I don't, I wouldn't use that as an excuse. I'm still going to try and work hard and I hope everyone else does as well. Because, well, I don't want to be in the same situation. I don't want to stay here like and just be here the whole time i want to do my exams do well and do something with myself right <laughs> i think everyone wants that to do well and um yeah it's just sats just 
it's a weird thing, right? Another part of the college um thing is um what do you call this? Finances and money. I don't know what it is, right? Like okay. Um there are a lot of students who can't afford to go to college and like what is what is what is I know you're supposed to make money, right? But why is it for like every little thing you have to pay for it? Why? I don't get it. I got um I got accepted into a, a, a small university, right? I'm not gonna say its name, but and they gave me a scholarship, and then they said to see like if I'm a, if they, they said if I want to defer my scholarship for next year, I have to pay three hundred US. I'm like, what? But what if I'm not sure that I want to come to your school? Why do I have to pay three hundred US just to reserve that scholarship? And my dad was telling me that when he was in college and he had to defer his scholarship or whatever, he no one had to pay. They just you just sent an email and boom, they put your name on a file or whatever, and you just wait till the next year, they pull your name out, boom, that's it. But nah, I had to pay 300, 300 US for that. That's 300 by 7, 2100 Trinidadian dollars. Why would I do that? And it's just schools like Harvard where they they could cover your tuition, like your entire tuition. Those are good schools, right? Obviously. It's an obvious statement. But like, oh gosh. How much money do you want to take from us? I already have to pay for the SAT exams. I already have to pay just to apply to the school. Now you want me to pay to defer then I have to keep paying these small little fees here and there and blah 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 whatever. That just that's really annoying. And like one thing that I learned from this whole college thing, like when I was signing up with the financial stuff, it's just like how much stress it puts on the family. Like you're you're just sitting down there and like let's say your mom is a, a janitor or whatever, right? And you want to go to uh, Trinity University and they ask you, they tell you, okay, you have to fill out this form about like all your finances and all your financial information and stuff, right? Your taxes, everything. So you're like, okay, cool. So you and your, your dad sit down and then you open up the form and then you check how much your mom earns and you're just like, wow we're actually surviving on that and then you check how much money is paid towards rent towards electricity towards um water towards groceries or whatever that month and then you're like how are we actually surviving like we we spend so much money on this whole college thing like wow and colleges they just open you up and try to scrape as much money as they can out of you even if you have not nothing at all they will take your clothes off your back 
and I that's that's why a lot a lot a lot of kids they just don't bother going because they think well why spend so much money going to these so-called top universities when I could just stay right here or I just don't go to school at all and that's that's sad to be honest like this whole college admission college application thing it's just this big I don't want to say waste of time but it's like this big issue where the less fortunate always are at a disadvantage no matter how much times the university says oh we'll help you pay for this we'll help you do that blah 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 they're always at a disadvantage from s from sats to the money that you have to pay to any little thing that's related to the college like and i think that needs to be sorted out right <laughs> Sorry if I'm just rambling on. I'm going off script. So that 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 was how my college admissions thing was for me. So my advice to people who who, who are looking to apply for college, right? When you when you're going to do the SAT exams, to do the best that you can. I got a one one five zero, right? And as I said, I'm gonna do it over. I'm being I'll be more prepared this time. When you go do the SAT exams, do it twice. No, twice for the least. The most do it for like three or four times. Don't go like five, six, seven, eight, or whatever. No. Do it three times or four times for the most, do it twice for the least, right? That first time you do it. It's literally just a little taste. Like you're just testing your waters. You're seeing, you, you have to put yourself in this testing mindset and see, okay, I'm under all this pressure and let's see what I can do. All right, let's see the highest I could get. So if, if your first score is like 1200, that's a good score to start on. Like 11, 1150, 1200, around there, that's a good score, all right? And then for the next test, just aim for 1300 plus. A lot of big schools, the best score to like, I know each school has their average score and stuff, right? But I believe the best score to get, like the lowest score you could get that, that's good enough to get in, is probably like 1380. That's the lowest. But that that all that only works if as if like your GPA is like or like 3.8 or something right oh and one more thing about college about my college admission thing right every time i go on youtube and i search up like you know when you're on youtube and like you're you're, you're really anxious about something so like you search up um am i balding or um am i too skinny Am I too fat? Blah blah blah, and you're just ang you're anxious about something. So you go to YouTube or you go on the internet and type it up so you could get some kind of retribution, as you would, or like just just to feel comfortable, just to feel better, right? And you, you like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm nervous about the whole college experience thing, right? And I search um 
can you oh how do i get into colleges with a low grade so i'm like okay cool maybe these people will give me some kind of hope right and i'm thinking i'm seeing these videos like how i got into college with this low grade blah blah, blah right and i'm thinking oh she got like a uh 950 or a thousand on the sats and she has a 2.5 gpa i'm like yeah please 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 dog i'm watching these videos the biggest fugazis i've ever seen this girl she's asian right i think she's like her parents are from korea or something and i'm watching her i'm like okay um she i i i don't want to be sound racist or stereotypical right but usually how they say Asians are smart, blah, 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 right? And she she said she got to 1390 and on her SATs was, what? No, her SATs was 1390 and her GPA was 3.75. And I'm watching like, what? What are you, what, what are you talking about? What is, what is low? And then I'm like, and then um, there'll be another video and it says, um, I, I feel this in life and I should have, I should have, no, oh, if I'd done this in life instead of feel, I would have done much better for, to apply for colleges. Some, some video like that. It's some woman talking, this white lady. And then she says, I'm expecting when she says she failed in life. That she got a really low GPA or something, or she failed an exam that was really important. You know what it was? She said how she went to um band practice or something. Like she had the option to go between marching band practice or um what do you call this cheerleading, and she chose marching band practice instead of cheerleading. And apparently, the school she applied to didn't have marching band. And they had cheerleading and if you got if you put cheerleading you had a, a higher chance again in and that was a big failure she had and i'm sitting down like what is this <laughs> what am i watching i'm terrified i want to get into a good school and this is what you're telling me you're giving me absolutely no hope at all honestly the um the only video that like actually was helpful again me gave me a slight bit of hope was um this latino girl is it latina yeah this latina and she she went to the school in the u.s i don't know which one and it was like it wasn't as i think it was like a magnet school or something but they they the kids there didn't really care about school that much and the education system wasn't that good and they didn't really teach the, the um, kids there about the SATs. Like, they didn't do practice tests or anything. They just had them. So, the day of the SAT exam in their school, um, she, the, the average of the class average was 850. And she got, like, 1270, 1280. And the re one of the reasons that she did well, that she was able to get into Stanford because she got into Stanford, congrats to her. Um, she, because the class average was that low and she got that high, 
that showed her that showed colleges that she was able to compete against a group of people in a class like she was she was a competitive person right because the difference between gpa and sats obviously is gpa is you do well through the course of the term so they want to see if like you're consistently doing well right sats are like to see if you you're competitive like you're a good test taker so if you have a low gpa and a high sat score colleges will assume oh well he's just kind of lazy or whatever kind of lackadaisical with his schoolwork but he can do when it comes down to the to the icy parts he can he, he'll he can cut the chase he can do it but when your gpa is high and your SATs are kind of low or mediocre that just tells them well he's a diligent student he's a hard worker and stuff it's just at the last moment the very last moment he doesn't have the finishing he can't put it into the bottom corner of the net right and he and then she um i think her sat was like 3.6 or something 3.7 so she had a decent sat and another thing that helped her was the extracurricular activities i want to talk about that a lot of parents what they like to do is they like to send it they like to force their children to just do a bunch of SAT um not SAT, a bunch of extracurricular activities just to put it on to their their college thing do not do that at all don't do that don't just stop part a bunch of um activities like don't just say don't just like force your child to go soccer basketball um i don't know softball cricket um young leaders club un model un or whatever don't do that just let your child do what they want right if he likes football just let him play football if he likes um ultimate frisbee let him do that if he likes quidditch just let him do that but don't just like force him on one thing colleges like is if you play a sport like let, let's say in my case right i've played football from since i was like six or seven till now right so that's like what 14 years or something colleges like stuff like that when you're when you've played for a long time it shows that you're dedicated to what you do you love what you do and you show interest and you're hard working right they love consistency because if they see that on your thing that one year you took sailing right and you just took it for that one year and then the next year you took um karate and for five months you took um badminton and three months you took chess that just tells them that they're just kind of forcing you to do stuff that you're just putting stuff on your application just to put it there you're not actually interested in it and you just if if you play one sport make sure that one sport is something that you're interested in and that you've been doing for a while right but if you play multiple sports or multiple activities or whatever that's even better and another thing colleges love are niche sports and when, what i mean by niche sports are is um you see white people right this is another thing that that like that's goes against less fortunate children you see how white people like to play like to sail and stuff 
and they like um, sports like um, lacrosse and um, frisbee and see them real weird sports that nerds and things play. No offense, right? But like those weird lame sports or Quidditch or whatever. Colleges love that because it's it to them it means you have somewhat of a personality like this kind of I don't know how that means how that's supposed to mean you you're a fun person or creative person or whatever but to them that's just better or whatever right so they love that that kind of niche sports thing and then it's I think. It, it's kind of unfair for less fortunate kids because let's use my country for example trinidad right there are a lot of kids in the u.s who put down horseback riding as one of their niche sports no one here rides horses i know like four people who've ridden a horse in their life i, I rode a horse once and that was from a swimming camp and that was it I'm not gonna put I I I I ride horses. I'm an equestrian. No. Um, there no one here plays lacrosse. There's not a there's no lacrosse team or whatever. There's no. Is there a badminton team? I think there's a table tennis team. There's a sailing team, but a lot of it, the funny thing is, we're an island. We're surrounded by water, but if you want to learn sailing. You have to pay so much money to go to learn how to sail. And a lot of the times the sailing thing is so disorganized where um, they wouldn't have enough teachers or they wouldn't have enough people coming out to go learn how to sail. So they decide to close it off, no sailing. So it's difficult to actually learn to do that. So a lot of less fortunate people, people, um, living in far areas or whatever or lesser developed countries they are just they're still at a disadvantage because they, they don't have that no not one person rides horses that's <laughs> but besides like sports and if you can do certain sports one thing you can do like something that's really important volunteer remember volunteer if you're helping at a soup kitchen or whatever, do that. If you're um, helping to teach deaf people, um, when deaf people, um, blind people, like um, like if you're reading to blind people or reading to illiterate people or having tutoring classes or whatever, right? Do that. That helps a lot. But if you if you can't you can't stay home every day and like literally do nothing, contribute to nothing in society and expect, okay, I could go to college. Nah, you're just like a waste of space. They don't want you for that. You have to be, because if you help your community at home, their mindset is that you can help the community at college. Everything that you do on your application is to help their college look better. So you do better in your SATs, you go to their school, blah, blah. Their school has a lot of high SAT scores. So their, their SAT scores, their average goes up. Their GPA average goes up. Their extracurricular activities, um, they, they'll be better in it. I don't know if it'll, 
I don't think it'll help them go upper division, but they will be better at it, right? They will win their games and stuff. Um, same thing with their community. They'll make their community better. Everything is to make the college better. And once all that stuff goes up, then it's harder to get into the college. So all is, what you'll see is the acceptance rate goes from 15% to 12%. So it just gets harder. So we're just making it harder for ourselves to get into college. So it's just like it's kind of a backwards game. And it's extremely difficult. Everything is difficult. But once you once I don't wanna be cliche and say once you just work hard that you could achieve anything, but for real, just work hard, just be consistent with everything. It's your SAT, study any night, be focused, GPA, just keep just get A's. Get as much A's as you can. Alright? And your extracurricular, just be consistent with it. Don't drop out of sports. If you don't, if you don't feel it, just be like, just think about it, and then okay, then you drop out. But don't, don't like, if it's football and you've played, been playing it for like six years, don't just drop out like that. Continue playing, right? Just have something there. And another thing, try to be a leader of a club. Because apparently leadership is one of the one of their things. So every time you're you're a leader of like robotics or whatever club, you have a higher chance. It's I know I'm <laughs> I don't understand how people like when one thing is like every time I go online to look at people's um what do you call it? Their application stuff, right? When they talk about their stats and whatever. Every single one of them is saying, oh, I was a leader of this club and this club and this club. I'm like, was everybody a leader? Everybody went to Ivy School was a leader of the club? Or did they just like, were they leader of a group assignment and they just said, okay, I, I led this. But anyways, if that's how they do it, then that's how they do it. So, yeah. Well, that's the end of the first segment about college applications and the admission process so I, I hope it helped and when i hear I, i'm hearing myself talk and i don't want to sound pretentious or whatever but i think i learned something from myself so yeah but i hope you learned something as well i don't know but yeah thank you okay well, I won't talk too much about the um, Dortmund-Man City game because we watched like 40 minutes, 45 minutes for the most. But Haaland didn't score and that was the most important thing. And I'd just like to 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 talk about the Haaland-Mbappe thing. Jake, who is better, Haaland or Mbappe? Well, if I were to... To add, express my thoughts on the whole Mbappe Haaland debacle, I would personally think Mbappe is better. I personally think Mbappe is better. That being, he um he looks he him and Haaland compared to each other. I think it's my opinion. I think Mbappe looks closer to finish to a more finished product than Haaland does. To me, all I see Haaland as is just like poacher you could really finish but 
his dribbling needs a lot of work. His um his offside awareness, I believe, needs a needs a lot of work. Sometimes his aerial duels need some work. His attitude most definitely needs some work. But Mbappe, his finishing, it's getting better. And he's finishing on the big stage, which is what I really like. Because we in the past Mbappe was just rel. He used to just finish in the first leg and just disappear in the second leg, which usually costs the team. But Mbappe's dribbling, world-class. His finishing, not world-class as yet, but it's getting there. His speed, world-class. His, his off-the-ball, world-class. His football and IQ, world-class. So, I believe Mbappe's a better player because he just, he just... Gives me some Thierry Henry vibes. So wait, you think Haaland's finishing is better than Mbappe, right? Yeah, Haaland's finishing is better than yeah. Mbappe, but... That's fair. Mbappe, he just brings some some energy to the game that we've been missing for a while, you know. Mm. Like, peak Messi, peak Ronaldo, they brought that energy. But for like the past, what, three to five years, we haven't really been seeing that. Mm. And Mbappe, he's bringing that to the table and... I'm not saying that football was unenjoyable, but it's he's making his sport, the beautiful game, <laughs> more enjoyable. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I think you're right. Like I don't when people make these Haaland and Mbappe debates, I think it's I don't when you mention how Mbappe has um Haaland has worse attitude than Mbappe, right? And I think that's true because, like, you remember, like, last season when they did the whole, when PSG did the whole celebration thing, that, um, the Haaland celebration, right? And everybody was like, oh, you're letting a, a 20-year-old, um, get in your head, blah, blah, blah. Why does everyone treat him like he's 15 years old, 16 years old? He's a grown man, like. <laughs> he deserves to be treated like everyone. It, the sport football isn't just about what goes on the what goes on in the game. Happens off the field. It's like people have never heard of the word banter before. Never heard of jokes. It's is there was nothing. It was not that deep. Harlan celebrated against us. Neymar Neymar celebrated to mock his celebration or whatever, and the whole team did it. Okay, cool. We didn't, it's not like we, we said we wanted to kill him or whatever, right? Yeah. And then we were speaking on, um, and then another thing my brother and I were talking on outside of the podcast was um the whole thing with, um, the whole situation with Mbappe and Jordi Alba when they were scuffling in the box and Mbappe said, in the streets, I will kill you. All I have to say to that is, he just doing his job, you know. Dog, that that happens when when we play football with our friends and stuff. You will slide. I like let's say, on uh, some days I would slide tackle a man and he'll come up to my face and be like, "Dog, I'll fucking kill you, dog." Like that. It's football. It's part of the game. All of that is just trash talk. All of that stays on the pitch. But outside the pitch, everybody's normal. Everybody cool and thing, shaking hands and thing. I have no issue. If a man threatened me on the pitch, then that's, sign that's a sign for me 
to nutmeg him or dribble him or whatever. Crunch his legs or yeah, something. Yeah, slide tackle him. Not, I, I, I'm not going to actually take that as a threat to my life. Yeah, there's no bad blood outside of the game, you know. Yeah, and when people say how Mbappe is like, he, he, he's arrogant or whatever. I remember I saw a tweet and this, this Indian guy, it's a Barca fan, obviously. I don't know why there's so many Indian, so many Indian Barca fans. They said how Haaland is the Messi of football, Mbappe is the Ronaldo, right? And I, I'm dead certain Haaland does not play anything like Messi and Mbappe is like Ronaldo combined with Neymar, combined with other footballers, right? He doesn't have like one specific style, right? But when you say... But his reasoning was Haaland is is more humble and Mbappe is more arrogant and talks too much. What are you talking about? Like when there was never a time when Mbappe was like arrogant, like he he was selfish towards the team or whatever. One specific occasion when he when it was the UNFP awards and he went up on the stage and he's like Oh, I expect more responsibilities. Blah blah blah. Um, I I want to 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 uh, um leave PSG or whatever. Dog, what? That's a winner's mentality. His responsibilities was he wanted to be the main nine. That was it. Exactly. When Haaland is, I expect a more responsibility as I'm the best player in Germany. Nobody cares. All it is is he wants to win. He wants to be the best. So I don't see the problem with him, with the remarks he makes. It's all a part of the game. And I, and I would encourage that sort of mindset from, from young aspiring footballers, people listening to the podcast that want to be footballers. The game is not for you to get pushed around. You have to be assertive. You have to stand up and, and express your values and set higher standards for yourself. That's all a part of the sport. So I don't really understand the hate going around with whoever being arrogant because they're asking for more thing and you you could use my country as an example, right? In my country, um, if you people who could play football really well, they're usually extremely arrogant, right? Usually, so they like to say, "Oh, I could be someone real good, you know. I real fast something, you know. I real bad on the ball. Ah, uh, he not bad, better than me, you know." They say stuff like that, but when they when they have to actually like get to the bigger stage or go outside of Trinidad to play football, pile of nonsense. They can't play football. They can't do anything because we have an our mentality is that we have a foot through the door. We have this kind of thing where we play we play one game in Germany or whatever, so our foot halfway through the door. So we're there already. So we don't need to care or whatever. We're good enough. But I think foot, we need to start. We need footballers to be more arrogant. Mbappe isn't even arrogant. But we need footballers to be more arrogant. To want more, have more of that drive. Like Ronaldo. Like Zlatan. I can't stand it when I see footballers. Like when, when, they, when they say like I'm the best in the world at what I do or whatever. Like let's say um Verratti comes out and he says, Oh, I'm the best I'm the most press resistant midfielder anyway. He is, right? But he says that himself. And then a bunch of Barca fans are like, 
are you stupid? No, it's Pedri, blah, blah, blah. He's such an idiot. Why would he say that? He's so arrogant and stuff. Dog, the man is just expressing himself. I don't know why people like to beat up these footballers. So just let, let them say what they want. We need more personality in football. Because, like, if you go on Twitter, right, you'll see Obama, like Aubameyang, Pepe, and Lacazette or whoever making jokes with each other. And people slandering them like, what? It, it, they're, they're not robots, they're human beings too. And and players who, who are so-called arrogant or who are so driven to be the best, stop bringing them down. Nothing's wrong with that. Mm -hmm. So, one thing I can take from that, from what you know, just said is, um, we were speaking on, um, I watched a video, the other, a documentary the other day on why are the Argentine, Argentina, the country is not producing any more world-class talent, any more ballers. My thing is, my input, you can slander me all you want, but I know I'm right. These South American players are lacking the mentality. And one thing I can say about mentality, mentality is so important because that's what takes you the extra mile. That's what separates you from a good a good player to excellent player. And these Brazilians and Argentines, these South Americans are lacking that type of winner's mentality, that, that type of attitude to win. The only South American country that I think is like, still has a mentality is probably Uruguay. Like, you see on the field, like, Uruguayan international competitions, they could have like, the cheeksiest players of all times, but these men will run their ass off don't you feel they actually play they will do the hard work and stuff and they humble and stuff but they work hard a lot of like brazilians and and you know what can't you know what place doesn't work hard at all the caribbean when was the last time you saw a trinidadian uh, a man from um saint vincent and the grenadines a man from guyana a man from yeah even let's say let's let's go with um Cuba is in the Caribbean. Who? Cuba. I'm not too sure. Yeah, but let's say I'm like from Cuba or something. Why 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 we can't do anything? Every time we have a player that's born in Trinidad, he always moves to the, the UK and he mm -hmm. always turns good. Trent, Sancho, whatever, always going to the UK. Why we can't have some players right. from, from our native country? Because we all have this mentality that well, we 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 good enough. Men could be men men could be beaten like Neymar and stuff. Have the 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 fairy feet and whatever, but have zero like their thought process is is nothing. Like they don't think properly about the actions and the choices that they are make and whatever to actually go the extra mile and stuff. What can I? What what one thing I could say is that my brother mentioned how um we have um. Our mom works at a, a school, right? So there was a student who used to work, who, who goes to the school, and he was a really good player. He was excellent on the ball. He could move. He, he, he could put on a show. But his but the one problem is, as I said before, he didn't have what it took to get him that extra mile. These teachers used to tell him to get up in the morning to go and run to get up in the morning and to go and swim, to do extra push-ups, to stop 
to stop playing too much in football and stuff like that, to take it more seriously. And I, when I was listening to that, the thing that I knew is that as soon as people had to tell him how to do, how to prepare properly, I knew it was over for him. I still have faith that he could get wherever he is, but so far it hasn't been working out for him. Which is really sad to see, you know. Because what I can say for my country, we have the, one of the best talents in the world. We have, sorry, not one of the best talents. We have the most talented group of players in the world. I guarantee that. We have more talented players than the United States. But with our talented players, they're really good off the ball. You tell them to go and run. They say, all right, I'm going and run. You know what they're doing after they run? They go and buy Pizza Hut and buy, buy a box of pizza and sit down by the bench and eat it. So they don't have that mentality that drive to get them where they want to be. If And even though those U.S. players play like robots and stuff, you know the reason why Weston McKenney, Christian Pulisic, Reggie Cannon, um, Tyler Adams out there, Zach Stefan out there playing their football? It's because they had the mindset and they always want better to themselves. They're happy where they are, but they're never satisfied. They want to keep moving and reaching higher places. And that's what our country is lacking, I believe. Nelson Mandela. Anyways, yes. I I hope you realize that we just improvised that whole thing because we didn't actually watch the entire Dortmund game. But yeah, um, I believe Dortmund could score two more against Man City. But I don't know. Pep Guardiola has this thing where he likes to overthink every single thing. Yeah. So the one thing one thing like about that, that that overthinking thing, right? Pep Guardiola, Man City could play like let's say Dijon, right? Let's say they happen to play Dijon. All he has to do is play his first team, they could win the game 9-0, right? But Pep would in his mind he'll be like, hmm. Let me try a little something. Dijon, you you could play any team against Dijon and beat them, right? But Pep will go, let me try Cancelo as a left winger and then pull Kyle Walker back and tell Rodri to, to push up a little bit and take a shot from this angle or whatever. Dog, you don't need to do that. And then he ends up losing and he's all surprised. You don't need to do that. Just go play the game. You don't even need to give them instructions. It's Man City. It's just a bunch of robots running on the field. Just let them play and let them score whatever. Keep giving extra instructions yeah. and always setting them up to lose. Yeah, I've been saying on my Instagram stories. Follow my socials, by the way. I would, I would, I would, I would I'll plug them at the end of the podcast. Down horrendously bad. I've I've been saying, right, for the past couple years, every time Manchester City has lost the has been knocked out of the Champions League, that the cities that the cities draw to lose. There's no possible way that any team that they face have a better game plan, have better players, have better anything than them. It's just Pep needs to start overthinking it. Stop overthinking it. Stick to the basics. And it's his title to win. So, I just hope that next week, he sticks to the basics, plays his best team, you um, thinks about the game, and does his best and wins the title, and wins the, um, the draw. All it really is is just to mark Harlan out the game, you know. Exactly. 
I mean, Sandro played. Sandro played the last leg. I know I only watched like 40 minutes of the game. Sancho was nowhere to be seen. I didn't even know he was even playing. I, and that Knauf guy, first guy, first first time I heard about him, I think his name is Ansgar, Ansgar Knauf. Mm. Man was better than Sancho. Yeah, I seen him on doing, I seen him on morning ball and things. Like, I didn't this, even realize Sancho was playing. Who's either. this guy, boy? I was like, is that Sancho? He's like, no. He too dark to look like Sancho. It's some guy named Knauf. I said, but where's Sancho? Is, is he even playing? I, I check Sancho's playing, but I don't know where he is. He looking like one of the custodians. That's 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 watch the crowd. He looking like one of the stewards. I didn't even see him on the pitch. And Harlan boy, he had a good assist, right? That that was a good flick assist to Royce, and that was a great finish from Royce. Um, but what this is like? What fifth game goal less? Yeah, men gassing him up on the on on the timeline on Twitter. He put Ruben Diaz to sit down. But where was the end product? Did he did he or did he not finish? Right. He he's he's he he sit Ruben Diaz on his bottom, but did he score? No he didn't. Oh and that was a great game from Ruben Diaz. Probably second best centre back, third best centre back in the world after Marquinhos and Kempembe. That's bias. Alright, fine. Who you want me to say? Sula? Mm-hmm. Watting. How about we jump into the Bayern game now? Wait, wait, wait. Um, what's this game? Freaking. Oh, let's, let me just say, Cruz is still top three midfielders in the world. Just because we don't like to watch Cruz comps doesn't take away from the fact that he's still an excellent player, right? Vinicius is a great player. He just needed to work on his finishing and he's he's great, Okay. I don't like people slandering him or whatever. I, I didn't used to like Vinicius before, but now I'm actually seeing that he's a great player. I see it, I've, I said it like, what, a year ago that he's real good. He's a good footballer, right? And please don't call me dumb when I say Karen Benzema does more than Robert Lewandowski. And I believe nah, he's but a, he, he does more than Lewandowski. And I believe he's a better player than Robert Lewandowski. He's a, he's a more all-rounded striker. Like, if you want to finish, you'd call Lewandowski. But if you want functionality you call benzema please don't drop no threats to my life or slander me for seeing that all right let's go to the bayern psg game main event bella the ball i was sitting on watching that game right and i've seen the like first or second minute i just see lucas hernandez bomb up the field and potter shot on half ass so i'm like all right that's it end of the game let me just take off this thing one time Next, you know, third minute. Beautiful ball from Di Maria to Neymar. And Neymar making this weaving run to Mbappe. And Mbappe fits it through Neuer's legs. I never screamed so much in my life. I didn't... How the hell you left to score in the third minute? I wasn't telling you. Like, wh- okay. Bayern played us, what, six months ago, right? Mm-hmm. They saw we were... Ex- we didn't... <laughs> We didn't exploit and pussy the um high line, right? We got we got the ball to run real one on one a few times, right? Or two on whatever, right? Towards the goal. And we could have scored, but it was poor finishing, right? If you played us six months ago and saw that we were this uh, inches from beating yeah, all yeah. We were that close from beating why you. Would you come back? Why would you come back with the same the exact same formation? The exact the same, same high line. High line. And and 
the, the day's uh, preparation to watch the game, she now always tell me, Bayern can't come with the same highline. They can't come with the same highline. Dog, it's common sense. And they came back with the same highline. And I'm just telling them, the second leg is going to be the same result. All I'm saying is that, it's it with the with the team buying built with the hands the flick built with the high line, it's gonna be nearly impossible for them to change to like a mid mid or low block for the second leg. They don't have the players to do that right now. They don't have well they they, they probably do have the players, but they don't have the amount the time to do that. Because mm. they, they only like two three games to go on. And plus their centre backs is two cheeks for a low block. Well, Sula out and Sula is like one of their best defenders. Um, what's his name? Goretzka so reportedly out. So Goretzka so probably be Alaba in midfield. And Lucas Hernandez has that bruise thing. But I'm sure he'll probably start as left centre back and then Davies will play left back. And then right back will be Pavard. Unless if Hernandez is out, then I'll be Pavard in centre back and um, <laughs> Buana saw as right back. Which I hope that happens. But anyways. Bayern had 31 shots at our goal. How much were on target? 12 were on target and Kayla Navas saved 10 shots. Kayla Navas, I've been saying it for so long. If he wasn't in our team right now and we still had Ariola or Sirigu or Kevin Trapp, we'd be in relegation zone in Liga or, at Le or for the most like 15th place. And we'd probably be out in we probably be out of the Europa League. All I have to say as an Aleti fan, please stop gassing Oblak as being so much better than Kaylor Navas because it's it's like plain sight now. It's clearly not true. Stop gas. Oblak is a good keeper, he's a class keeper, don't get me wrong. But stop gassing him so much compared to Kaylor Navas is an excellent keeper, you know. He's real good, he's real good. I said for like the last four years, I said Keelan about last year, I said he was top two goalkeepers and a bunch of Real Madrid fans kept telling me, oh no, Courtois was better. And then Barca fans telling me to Stegen was better. And then for the last four or five years, I was saying he was the most underrated goalkeeper in the world. No one believed me, you know. The man has been good for so long and now people starting to realize just because of not buying him. For our entire, the entirety of the season, he saved us in like almost every game. Every game he's pulled off a world class save. I don't know what is wrong with our defense. Marquinhos and Kempembe are two of the best centre-backs in the world right now, right? But there will always be a time, because league teams are relentless with their attacks, right? So they will always be shooting at our goal. And Navas just always pulls out this, a wonderful save. One thing though is... If Lewandowski was playing this game, we'd have lost like 6-3 or 6-2. Because there is no way none of those other, none of those 10 shots that Nava saved, Lewandowski would have put away like three of them. Because, wow. I want, one person who didn't really get a lot of plaudits from our team was um Danilo Pereira. He was excellent. 13 clearance. He made, he was kind of at fault. For the first goal for Trooper Moting's goal, he didn't time his header properly to head the ball out. But for the rest of the game, my man booting on the balls with his fat bean head. Just <laughs> clearing on man have a hydro head, just <laughs> boosting out every single ball. Thirteen clearances, you know, blocking every shot. This man you could see elephant feet and a weird face. I don't know what the hell. And I've <sighs> 
that was a great performance. What's his name? Dagba. You know when <laughs> when you're playing football, right? And you're playing against a team that have like real PC players. And it'll always be a man on your team. And you had to say, dog, you had to sacrifice yourself for the team. Just take your beats, take your nutmeg or whatever, and just just put your body on the line. Take your embarrassment like a man dog. That was Dagba for this game. Coleman spin my man about six, seven, eight times, right? But Dagba running back, <laughs> trying his best. He, he's, he's shit, but he's trying. So I I want to commend him first of all. The first half, he was twos, right? Second half, he stepped up a lot. And he's playing, he's doing decently <laughs> and stuff. We're supposed to have Florenzi back, thank the lords. Because I wasn't hoping for no Thilo carry any back because he would have just given me a heart attack. He, he would have given away three penalties the amount of times Coleman spin Dagba. Yeah, not to mention Colin Dagba. He, he take one for the team. He, he got a serious volley from Joshua <laughs> Kimmich in his back. Now I know if Colin Dagba wasn't there, that would have gone straight in the box. And Chupo Moting would have scored. By the way, big ups to Chupo Moting. He mm. played really good in that game. Chupo Moting, he's probably one of the most hardworking attackers in the world. It's, it's very difficult to find an attacker who, who sprints, who defends, who runs up and down the pitch, doing everything they can to get the ball back. It's, but... He did he did well this game. I don't believe he deserves any of the slander for his whole career, you know. I mean at Stoke he was kinda cheeksy, you know. Yeah, but the whole Stokes team was cheeks. He 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 could only do as much as the Stokes team because remember he's like a big number nine. Kind well of that's Stokes. true, you have a point there, huh? Because when he was on Mines and Schalke, he was decent. Mm -hmm. And then when he went to Stoke you surrounded by real shit players. So. Zero service. What do you expect? And if you man was scoring like woolies and stuff. If so. you get zero service, and how you expect to get yeah, what, and, 10 and if, plus if, goals? If, if you're reduced to scoring woolies, then, then yeah. it's not you as your team. Yeah, your team yeah. shit. But when he was at PSG, he was decent. Besides that Bayern game, when he went and um, he, he could have just flipped the ball into you and try and block back heel it or whatever, right? Oh, oh, oh gosh. But he was great. He was great against us. On um, one thing, uh, our tactics, talking about the tactics, right? Because our tactics were, were very easy. Bayern's own were easy to analyze, right? It was just Neymar was playing as a false nine, somewhat, ten, kind of. And Mbappe yeah, was playing, was switching from the right to the left, false nine, somewhat, right? If you play a high line, just picture this, right? Bayern were playing a high line and Neymar was playing as a 10 slash false 9. Every time Bayern stepped up, Mbappe would be on the shoulder of the last defender, right? And you remember when Mbappe at the end of the game, he said, um, Pochettino told him to run at the Bayern defenders because they don't like that, right? That's what he did. He just stayed at the edge of the Bayern defense and ran. And Neymar had all the time in the world. Because every time Mbappe ran or wanted to run, the Bayern defense would have to back up. And this would just cause Neymar to get bucket loads of room. And it would only be Kimmich there because Goretzka, he's not a midfielder. He's not actually a central midfielder. Man has 17 goals and assists this season in the league alone, right? He's like one, a second he's, striker. Yeah, he's midfield. like a Mezala kind of thing. He will run into your box to score. He's not no dictator of the midfield tempo tempo creator or whatever that's Kimmich Kimmich is every Kimmich is their whole midfield Muller is like their engine kind of somewhat right 
and they just gave Neymar space. Like, I was surprised the amount of times we penetrated their midfield and their, their defense so easily, right? We had three counter-attacks, and I think we scored like, no, we had like six counter-attacks, and we scored two of them, and the other three were, were almost close to scoring. But I genuinely, I for real think Bayern, they have to change something, though. They, they can't stick with that. But the thing is, they, they will most likely stick with a high line, because Davies will be back. Who in the hell would put Davies to play as a defensive left back? It's obvious they're going to play a high line the next leg. Mm. The, uh, whole, the whole plan, I believe, for the second leg is just to try to get the wingers in behind. Yeah, yeah. I could, they're just going to bombard our whole box. Yeah, just get wingers in behind and let the wingers cut inside and shoot. And, that's that's why I prefer Pochettino play Moise Keane. Mm -hmm. And then we get Florenzi back. And then we get Verratti and Parrot. Because Verratti and Parrot will be back for the second leg. I'm not sure about Sergio Gnabry, apparently he still has COVID or whatever, but we don't know as yet. All we know is Lewandowski, Sula, Goretzka, and um, I think that's it. And Lucas Hernandez might be doubtful, Gnabry might be doubtful. Mm -hmm. But if we play Verratti, Paredes, we'll have a lot more um, control in our midfield because we were horrendous in midfield. Because you can't expect Idrissa Guy to, to, to hold on the tempo, right? He's just run. Kalai played kind of good though. He did. I think he had like 30-something recoveries or and something. And he made, um, he was like, he made the third or fourth most dribbles in the game. And the last 13 minutes of the game where Bayern would just had the ball. This man, wow, just in such a slave-like manner. Just sprinting all across the field. I swear this man didn't bend down to take a breath once, you know. I was so glad he was on the field. If Guy wasn't there, we, we would have died. We'd have probably conceded nine more goals or something. Because mm -hmm. we just needed to win the ball back. And Kimmich, he lost the ball 28 times. Uh, 28 times. So imagine if we have Verratti and Paredes and then we have Guy next to them. We could we could hold on to the ball. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To dominate the midfield. But I think the next leg, it's anyone's game. It really is anyone's game. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, God. I think we reached the point where it's on to my team now. I'll let you go. Uh -uh. <laughs> I, I, I should have gone first, you know, to keep my, my parts short. I'm just so depressed. March day 20, 10 points above second place. March day 30, 1 point above second place. Games are tied. El Clasico's anybody's game. El Clasico's tomorrow, eh? El, yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, El Clasico's tomorrow. We're playing on Sunday, I believe, a lunchtime kickoff. Suarez is injured for <laughs> about four weeks. <laughs> I don't believe we, this is a serious club. Some good news: Borja Iglesias will be missing the next. Will be missing this game. Um, Stefan Savage, Felix, and Hermoso's back from injury, and they're currently training with the squad. And Musa Dembele is still recovering from fainting and training. He fainted in training. My man fainting. He he doing the calf stretch and he fainting training. You know. He saw it. Or? Yeah, he saw it. But he it's not that bad because he was able. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Being kind of 
insensitive. Nah, but dog, but, you're so grown man, dog. You don't know how to, to have a proper diet no, 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 and no, not that, exert yourself. Yeah, but that just sums up our whole season. We were going so well and then kaput. Kaput. <laughs> Literally. Um, Eight more games to go. We have Barcelona on match day 36, I believe. Match day 35. That's not second to last game. Right? Yeah, Bilbao match day 33. That's our two hardest games. Our last game will be away at Valladolid. You're going to play Real again or you'll play? No, we played them. We lost and we drew. Huh. So my only thing is that on a hope and a prayer, I, w I, I, I wish the best of luck to Real Madrid. I want them to either win the game or a, a draw will be excellent. That's be plan A. Plan B is a, a win for Real Madrid. How much points Real behind you? They're 62, so they're like, what, three, four points behind us. So so if they win, they'll be on 65. So wouldn't it be better if they win the game? Yeah, if they win the game, then... Because if if, if if um if Barca draw, then they'll be ahead of you because of goal difference. So it's better if Real win the game. Yeah. Just take the risk. Just keep Barca as far away as possible. Mm -hmm. If they win the game, yeah. That's true, that's true. And then... um. I just hoping our team could win this. All I'm all I want, this is this is best best case. Best case scenario. We win the, the, the La Liga and we Champions League. Shut up. We win La Liga <laughs> and we sack Simeone. So we want to replace Simeone with Jose Mourinho. Mm. So where do you think Simeone will go? Simeone probably go like River Plate. He could manage Inter Milan or I don't know something. Dog, like you that. can't give Simeone River Plate. He would have to manage a team like um I don't want to say Man U, but a team like I don't know. It's probably Inter AC Milan. Simeone is a type of coach, but with his first two seasons, expect eleventh place, seventh place. But the next couple season, you're not drop, you're not beneath third place. Guaranteed, you're not beneath third place. You're always fighting for a champ. You're always not fighting. You're always in a Champions League zone. And I believe that it's time for a new era of Atletico football, Coltrane era football. And Mourinho will be the best fit because Mourinho is able to make a defense. Unai Emery. Mourinho is able to make um the best out of Atletico Madrid in terms of we'll be we'll still be a defensive unit, but he's able to he's able to um better the attack and make a more free flowing attack. Ernesto Valverde. Because the problem <laughs> shut up. The problem is with Diego Simeone, he normalized making ball midfielders pass the ball backwards. How you could come from a boss team where you are one of the best attacking players in the world, averaging about four or five key passes a game, but to come by Atletico Madrid and you average 0 0.8. What, what a fall from Greece. Sign what that too. Uh, just a quick meon, just a quick um shift off topic. Mikel Arteta, he has um as I said, as I heard from another pod podcast, which I can agree with, he's a very polarizing manager in terms of some Arsenal fans like him, some Arsenal fans dislike him. You want me, you want me to keep it simple? He's a shit coach. Yeah. He's a very shit coach. Yeah. This man tries to um, just to implement covert trading, the youth. He's trying to implement what pass and move. It's literally, just imagine Pep 
but rare water. Yeah, down. he he's a, he's a fugazi. Miss, so he will win a game. He he will he will he will like win a game against Chelsea for one, or like l scrape or win a Man City a game against Man City by luck, like two now because Man City was awful. We can't beat these small teams like West Brom, and he has no. He can't keep a consistent streak of wins or at least consistent streak of draws. Is always losing. Because Arteta's a man, right? Like when you watch Arsenal play football, they will pass the ball about sixty times and throw away a goal or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, I was listening to Arsenal fan TV, and then they were talking um, like Robbie Lyle was saying how um how Arsenal don't deserve this based on the history. Two thousand and three, I think it was two thousand four, invincible season. We don't deserve a type of coach. We don't deserve where we are. On what do you deserve? All I all I can say they deserve every ounce of what they're going through right now. They deserve it. Oh no, I find it's like to talk too much, you know. I'll just stay with my, my Arsenal Wenger mm -hmm. and then just rebuild the whole squad. The man had a plan, you know. Just some patience, you know. God. Man is like ninety six though. But at some point you'll have to sack him. Yeah. But right now I think the best coach for them is probably well. I was gonna say Tuchel, but you know he went to Chelsea and he's a shit coach. But still, yeah. um, I think it'd probably be Sergio Coenchao or um, what's his my name? Max Allegri, like mm -hmm. Allegri. He's a good coach because he's not a, an amazing coach, but he could take aging players, make them play world class. And then he could also restructure defense and stuff. I said from the beginning that Gabriel Magales, whatever his name is, is not good. You hairline boss. Man's hairline is half his head. He has a f hairline of a 46-year-old man. And you think he'll be good? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Aubameyang is shit football. Look like Travis got man being swollen. Head man's swollen. the highest in Europe, yes. What the hell, man? Shit. <laughs> Man is averaging zero out of ten for well, all the games. Uh. Dropping whole shame performance. <laughs> Man is real book boy. But we can go. We can go back to Atleti, please. All right, fine, go. Um, so, 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 who do you think would be the best manager for, for Atleti? Because probably Jose Mourinho. Like he, he, he's able to keep the defense, the whole defensive structure in place but also implement some kind of attacking thing. And the players he will buy for y'all aren't just these kind of aesthetically pleasing players. He'll buy players that work hard. Because Joao Felix, I want to say something about Joao Felix. He's a very good footballer, right? But he lacks consistency and he's far from a finished product. Like, I know he's young, right? But dog. He's real, like, is he Mbappe and Haaland, how they're going at it or whatever? He's probably on the same level as, like, if I'm being real honest, like a little Leon Bailey kind of thing. As sad as it is, as it is I agree with you. He And the team he's working around with, it's kind of hard to, f it, it should be, like, you're, you're expected to flourish, but I think, like, for some players, like, even with him, yeah, he's a really good talent, but maybe putting too much on him. But, but he's around experienced players. Like, these players have been through hell. Yeah, but, yeah. 
I believe you each season he'll he'll up improve. So I believe he'll be better than him better than this season, next season. My one thing is I just hope that Atletico just secure the title. Just secure the title. <laughs> it's probably not gonna happen, but please yep. Simeone, if you're listening to me, secure the title. I'm on my knees. Hmm. My knees. All the prayers go out to the coaching era, boys. You're not gonna win any title. Just, 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 just bring it home now. <laughs> just bring it home now. And I'll settle for my 7th and 11th place next season. If it is for a squad revamp and a whole revamp of tactics from Jose Mourinho. Mm. Yeah, so. Going through real hell. Hopefully, bring home the title. Let's, let's, let's switch a club now. Which club? What club is. Hmm. Club we can speak of Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. I believe um to Thomas Luka gonna get sacked in the near future. Well, I mean, yeah. Carrington and the stars, but like. I I I, I just want to say like, okay, if you start, if you want to start a team, and like like have a squad revamp, then you would ask Tuchel to be a coach. If you want to actually go and achieve greatness. You don't ask Tuchel for to be a coach, right? Chelsea made the right choice. Like if Tuchel is a transitional manager, so you go from Tuchel to a man like um like Pochettino or um, or, or or Pep or something, right? Or Klopp. But don't expect any amazing whatever from Tuchel. I when people like to use our P our UCL final run. As this big debating tool or whatever that's supposed to show that Tuco was the mastermind behind us winning the champion, um, almost winning the Champions League. He was not at all. I can say that Champions League was like a heavy bag of luck. Though the amount of luck we had, every Champions League season we had, we relied on individual talent. There was no like amazing masterclass tactic it was literally individual talent when we played liverpool and we beat them 2-1 right at at home that was Verratti by himself you know and neymar that was nothing else it was just Verratti and neymar when we beat manu 2-0 that was literally just pure luck that was just luck manu wasn't even like extremely terrible but we won that hot ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And then the game against Bayern, right? That's the game against Bayern. He put out this squad just full of workhorses. And I was like, Yeah, you got real lucky with the injuries Bayern suffered. Yeah, like I was like, What what kind of team is this? The starting eleven. He what what was Herrera, Guy and um Who's the next man? It was Paradise or somebody. Wait, you're talking about the final? Yeah, the final. Oh, so, my bad. It was Herrera and someone else. Paradise or something. Yeah. Uh, such an atrocious footballing team. <laughs> and then he wants to put Neymar, Di Maria, and Mbappe and expect us to win games with our front line. What the hell is that, boy? And that whole fantastic four shit. Mm -mm. At Chelsea, I, I said at the beginning when he signed that he will start off really well. He will look super good, right? And then as games go on, he will start demanding more power. I think that's how most German coaches are. I'm not so sure about Klopp, but a lot of German coaches are 
when they get a little taste of power, they want more of it. So he'll start demanding the board to give him more freedom and stuff in the transfer window or whatever, right? And then he starts complaining and he starts making big scenes in public about oh, he doesn't have this play and that play and stuff and he becomes just annoying like a brat. And then eventually he just, his teams, um, Tuchel seemed the biggest weakness is they always experience burnout. They'll mm -hmm. play real good for like six games straight and then this next game, they're just dead tired. He, at PSG, he used to switch. I don't, I don't think there was a time when we played the same starts in 11 more than yeah. two times in a row. He always switches out everybody. Like he does, like, I, I don't know. He's plays big players in real posy games. Like we played Neymar in some French cup, <coughs> um, third division, some fourth division team or whatever. And yeah, he's just risk players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because even when you look at, you take a quick analysis of um, the players Thomas Tuchel has to work with. You can just tell that this whole this whole trail like wins is just luck because Jorginho, he's not meant for this league. Every coach that comes in to manage Chelsea, he has this period where he just plays real, real good. Looks world, quote unquote, class, world class. But it eventually phases out. One thing I could say, them men who love aesthetics would make a Kovacic. Kovacic is one of the most I just want atrocious. I I just I just want to say Kovacic is probably the most overrated midfielder I've ever seen, right? Kovacic is a pile if, of dupe. If you're if you're a world class team and you like Bayern Munich, right? And you want midfielders that contribute off the ball and whatever, do Boom. not buy Kovacic. <laughs> do not buy Kovacic. I've I don't know what he does on the field. Like they say he's not a transitional midfielder. He's not a box to box. He's not a Mazala. He's not this, he's not that. What does he do? Yeah. All I see him do is just kind of run around the field. Like, you see Verratti, right? He doesn't really have, a like, a, a set thing that he does on the field because he usually does everything. But, like, he's world-class in every aspect. Kovacic is, like, he's a jack-of-all-trades. He's good at everything, but not good at one thing. But he's good, but not amazing. Like, it, what does he actually do on the yeah, field? Yeah, yeah. Cause he, cause every every game you see him on a on a skill comp or football mix football mix part thirty three he do an he do a step over he roll it through somebody likes but he can't really say he he's he's done much this season can't really no, say no 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 he's he's been, he's probably been the best midfielder he's been the best midfielder he's just not as good as a lot of other midfielders I don't really see that much in him you know he's he's kind of I never I never really liked him one the one game I saw him play real good was against us when he came on the field as a left right central midfielder or a wide midfielder because he Zidane wanted to play a 4-4-2 that's when he got his subs real good or whatever and they came back and beat us 3-1 mm -hmm. or whatever but um I don't really like Kovacic that much the one player on our Chelsea team besides Thiago Silva you know I love mm -hmm. Thiago Silva I know you really can't say who? boy that's my boy yo <laughs> Don't when we used to real hate on that man, when he was a he was a pound of cheeks, sir. Huh? He used to be, he used to be real shit, huh? Like real average, borderline. But then play a play, put a blindfold on his face, 
Blind, full on his feet, or around his eyes, puts him in a half space and hits a driven pass into him. Dog, the man he has, he, his, he has the best half turn in Europe. He beat in his marker best one half, time. Best half one time. Just, the man will spin a man just with that one turn. I, I want every coach, every footballing coach around the world to get their players to watch Mason Mount when they're doing their half turn practices. Mm -hmm. He's good at that. The man rolling, yeah. Easy, easy. He's, and the one. But the, the pressing thing about Chelsea is to see Mason Mount is your best player. That like, kind of sad, you yeah, know. like like PSG has Neymar and Mbappe, Verratti, Real Madrid has Benzema, whatever, right? You are Mason Mount. What the hell is that? Yeah, and Zayek scored against Atletico Madrid. He still hasn't been good. Oh, Zayek is fucking awful, bro. Um, yeah, you're, you're starting wing backs is Benjo well. Benjamin Will is awful, Zayek is awful. Reese James. Reese James for me is average. Um, Emerson Palmieri. You should. Yeah. Timo Werner is the world of nonsense. I never liked him since he was at Leipzig. To be honest with the what I learned from my Dialetico game, we, 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 our defending was awful. We had no good attacking players. And really, really and truly, it was Chelsea's game to lose, you know. Mm. They, they they had everything to win. Oh, I just would like to say Kai Havertz is probably the worst footballer of all time and I've never rated <laughs> him at stinks. any point in time. I don't know what people see in yeah, him. Yeah, because even in the season, his 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 Euro his Europa League season were by me by Leverkusen, where everybody was like, nah, he's class. For me, it's just sideways passes in front of the box and Charles Arango is very average. When you know Charles Arango is getting more goals than you. In the Europa League, that's saying levels. That's speaking levels. Hakan Kalanoglu is better than him. Mm. I've never rated Harvard once in my life. Mm -hmm. He's twos, right? Anyways, UK Gundogan is a great player. Oh yeah, he's very he's he's cool. I like him. Mm -hmm. But at Dortmund, he he was kind of cheeksy-ish, but he was he was decent. But City's helped a lot by the system. Play. I'm not saying he's a system player, but he's surrounded by good players, so mm -hmm. it kind of accentuates his footballing abilities. Anyways, that seems that it's come to the end of the um podcast. It's already, boy. <laughs> I know people, this part is extremely long and people don't really like sports, but, well. Tough luck. Yeah, not really tough luck. I'll just like to say um that I will, my social media, like, if you want to, if there are any topics that you want me to talk about, just message me on Instagram, chi.lois, so it's C-H-I dot L-W-S, C-H-I dot L-W-S, and then... If you want to message his younger brother, on or send me death threats, it's uh, chi.lois, C-H-K dot, dot L-W-S, L-W-S right? right? Not the most original name. Yeah, and follow Chino's Snapchat, <laughs> if you want to drop any Q&A questions. Yeah, if you so. need any... If you want to ask any questions on Q&A, just go on, um, just um, <laughs> request my account, C-H-I-N-U-A-2001. That's no caps, no spaces. C-H-I-N-U-A-2001, no caps, no spaces. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I, would, I would say... Um, Twitter. Yeah, but yeah, but I keep getting sus suspended, so... Yeah, Twitter yeah. stinks anyways. Yeah, it's been good being off of Twitter. And Twitter. And then, yeah. So, if you need uh, any requests or like you 
suggestions about how we could continue this podcast, if yeah. how it was, how the experience was. I know we're just talking and rambling a lot. And like if you have any questions that you want us to cover, then just message us. Yeah, uh, and by the second episode we'll have a QA. Going. Yeah. So, so make sure and follow the socials. Huh? Yeah. So thanks for listening. Oh, we'll also leave the socials in the show notes. So Yeah. Thank you for listening and later. Yeah. Bye.